Hey everyone, welcome to a very special edition of Kicking Out at Two this week. I'm your host, Dave Rosenbluth, and uh, like I had mentioned last week, a little preview, I, uh, I, I changed the format up a little bit this week here, um, and I'll get into that shortly. Um, I thought I would go with something a little different uh, to to kind of pay tribute um, to some very important people in my life. And also talk about my story of how I became a wrestling fan and how it continued to grow, um, revolving uh, these special individuals in my life. Uh, originally, we were going to do the King of the Ring 1995 watch along. That's going to be for next week with Dennis. But um, you know, I'll pull back the curtain a little bit here and uh, talk to you guys. Um, um, one of the reasons why I've kind of switched up the format. A little bit here this week uh, because real life has kind of gotten in, gotten in the way. Um, something very real, um, and you know, normally I don't get too involved, you know, with with this show in my personal life. I, you know, you know, I'm married. You know, I live in Connecticut, um, but uh, for the most part. Um, <clears throat> I don't get too deep into my personal life, <clears throat> excuse me. So, um, but uh, unfortunately, um, one of the reasons why I'm doing this podcast in this format today is because um, someone very special to me um, is, um, you know, is is seeing her final days. Um, I'm referring to my grandmother, my nana. She, um, she's had some health struggles the last several months and uh it's finally caught up to her and um at the time of this recording I'll be um a few days shy of uh of uh, traveling to go see her and um essentially say my goodbyes and I wanted to do this to not only share with you my story for any of you that care, but also as a way to pay tribute to two people um, in my life that had a very profound impact on my life, my my nan and my grandpa. Now, my grandfather has long passed. He's been he, he passed away ten years ago. He fought cancer for nine years, and um, you know he finally threw in the towel uh, in January of two thousand eleven. And my grandmother had to um, you know, witness that and go through that. And um, now my grandmother's health is, um, you know, uh, on the back nine. And um, not to get too personal, but um, you know, she's seen better days. And um, I, I wanted to take the opportunity as a way to, like I said, to pay tribute and to just kind of talk about how my wrestling fandom revolved around my life with my nana and my grandpa um, I wasn't podcasting in 2011 for me to um, pay tribute to my grandfather in this way but um, if you're listening Ephraim Stein um, this is this this is also for you um, this isn't so much um, about you know what I liked and what I disliked about pro wrestling as a kid. This is more or less about my story about how wrestling played a big part in my life with my grandparents growing up. 
it's going to be a lot about my interactions with them and their interactions with me and how wrestling had a had a part in that um so i'm going to i'm going to tell some stories i'm going to try to get through this as best as i can um i apologize if i get emotional but I, I, I wanted to do something to pay my respects um, to two people that I love very dearly and had a very profound impact on my life. So with that being said, um, <clears throat> let me start by saying, um, at the time of this recording, um, my grandmother is, you know... Um, in a facility and she's um she's not eating and you know not uh, taking many fluids and um she she kind of you know she she knows that you know her time has come she's prepared for this i guess and as much as i want her to continue fighting so i could have her a part of my life um i can understand why she wants to throw in the towel you know she's she she had to bury two husbands both her parents and her sister and she has seen you know her certain members of her family's health drag on for for such long periods of time leading to their passing that she doesn't want to go through that same feeling. She doesn't want us to go through that. So I can understand why she has refused any kind of um, invasive treatments to help her and put a Band-Aid, I guess you could say, on her health at 87 years old. By the time this recording drops, she'll be 88, June 22nd. Um, by the time this recording drops, I'll be traveling back home after visiting her for what is arguably going to be the last time. So, um, like I said, with all that being said, um, I understand why my grandmother has decided it was time it hurts but i understand it and like i said i want to apologize if i'm rambling or maybe even incoherent um i just wanted to properly pay tribute to my grandparents and the the profound impact they had on me and how that helped with my my passion for wrestling as you all know by listening to the show, how very passionate I am about this show. You know, um, it's been a few years, and I don't have as many listens as all those other podcasts out there that have you know guests or guys who have been in the business. It's just a regular old wrestling fan, click and record, turning his mic on in his basement, and sharing my passion with all of you. And when I started this journey. In the summer of 2018, I wanted to do something different than other wrestling podcasts out there. Other wrestling podcasts have have been known to um, micromanage and you know break down the programming and the product on television and 
complain or not about what they see on TV and what they liked and what they didn't like. And I wanted to, I wanted to convey my fandom through young Dave Rosenbluth. You know, the the the, the six, the seven, the eight year old, the ten year old, the twelve year old, the thirteen year old, all the ages. You know, I've been a fan for thirty five years. I'm thirty eight, three years old. This all started for me. Um, as I received a Hulk Hogan LJN rubber doll from my Aunt Carol, my mom's sister. And it just took off from there. And I don't remember if I was a fan before I got the doll or I became a fan after I got the doll. But, you know, Hulk Hogan was my end-all, be-all. You know, I'll, I'll, he's on my Mount Rushmore for the greatest of all time. He's on my Mount Rushmore for my favorites. He's, you know, the end-all, be-all, despite what has happened in recent years with the way he's conducted himself publicly and the narrative about, you know, his his backstage political behavior. I, you know, I grew up on sliced bread, Coca-Cola, and, and, and Hulkamania, you know, Americana, you know, as, as, as humble as American pie. So that's what really started it for me as a fan. The rock and wrestling era, the cartoon, you know, Hulk Hogan, Roddy Piper, Junkyard Dog, Jimmy Snuka, Ricky Steamboat, Macho Man, Randy Savage, Andre the Giant, you know, the rock and wrestling era of, of wrestling is what I, what I grew up on. And um, that evolved over time where I segue to the role that both my grandparents play with this. The first memory I have of watching wrestling at my grandparents' house on 5 Rustic Lane in West Hartford. They don't live there any longer. My, my grandmother is currently in Atlanta. Like I said, my grandfather passed, but you know they were in Connecticut at 5 Rustic Lane in West Hartford, Connecticut. And um, I remember watching WrestleMania 2 on VHS, rented it from the video store. And I vaguely remember sitting in front of the TV watching Hulk Hogan and King Kong Bundy um, inside the steel cage in the main event with my rubber LJN dolls and my big ring that I had. And I vaguely remember out of the corner of my eye, my grandmother sitting by the corner of the couch next to the fireplace in the TV den. The the, the, the TV den um, was one was one step lower than the, the, the house itself. So you had to go a step up to get into the... The, the remainder of the house with the dining room, the kitchen, the living room, all of the stuff is. So the TV den had a fireplace next to it that kind of wrapped around, which was kind of cool. I've, I've always wondered if they still have that fireplace in that house. Um, and that house has a lot of sentimental value to me. If I ever won the lottery and that house was up for sale, I'd probably buy it just because that house has a lot of sentimental value for me. I grew up there um, on weekends visiting my grandparents, which I'll get into that shortly. And I remember my grandmother at the time, she was a smoker and she had a carton of cigarettes next to the the, the fireplace and um, she would smoke and she would uh, crochet or do a crossword puzzle and my grandfather would sit in the recliner and he would just kind of watch me as I'm playing with my dolls and watching wrestling. So that's the earliest vivid memory I have of my time in my grandparents' house, uh, you know, watching wrestling, and and it just continued to grow from there. Um, the it would continue with my grandfather 
my dad and his brother, my uncle Chris, took me to my first wrestling match in May of 1987 at the Hartford Civic Center in Hartford, Connecticut. We were on the floor, I'd probably say probably about 10 rows back, 10, 15 rows back. And the main event was Hulk Hogan and the Macho Man Randy Savage. And the only memory I have, I have, a, I have very few memories of that. One, my father, my uncle, and my grandfather all took turns um, holding me, uh, lifting me up so I could see <laughs> the action in the ring because a lot of people stood up, like most wrestling shows. I was a little boy at the time. I was four years old. So um had a hard time seeing what was going on, but what I did see, I was excited. Then there'd be times where when the guys, you know, when fans weren't standing up, they'd let me stand in the middle of the aisle um, so I could see the action in the ring. Uh, I remember Sam Houston wrestling in the opening match against Frenchie Martin, and Sam Houston came out on a horse, uh, which I thought was kind of cool. And then the main event, obviously Hogan and Savage. I remember the, I don't remember a whole lot, but I remember um, Hogan, was chasing Randy Savage around the ring, and Savage um, uh, pulled Elizabeth in front of him like he used to do a lot. And Hogan, you know, was ready to wind up and nail Savage, but Elizabeth was standing in the way. And then Savage kind of shoved Elizabeth off to the side, and he grabbed a chair, and I think he went to go nail Hogan, and Hogan blocked it, and they fought outside, and they threw back in the ring. And those were my um, my that was my first show I ever went to. So. Those are the really the only memories I have of um, of that show, but the the that the attending shows would continue with my grandfather. Uh, one in particular that holds a holds a dear place in my heart was when my grandfather got us tickets to see the Hulk Hogan Get Well Tour uh, at the Hartford Civic Center. It was right after. Um, Earthquake had attacked Hulk Hogan on the Brother Love show, and Hulk Hogan was, you know, off television, and we didn't know if his, you know, he was ever going to come back and wrestle again. And they sent out, uh, you know, um, a PO box. You can write letters to Hulk Hogan, and Tugboat would, you know, read them on the air. And I remember I wrote a letter to Hulk Hogan, and he didn't read it, but um, I ended up getting like a Hulk Hogan friendship bracelet of it. And I've kind of talked about that on the show, but um, I remember. As, as as the last few days have come to me recently regarding my my grandmother and her health and what I'm set to embark on with this trip or what I will have already embarked on when this recording drops, um, I, I'm, I'm starting to remember more and more about that particular show. The fact that um, my grandfather... You know, like I said, he got us tickets uh, for him and I. And I remember it being like on a school night. So it was like, I, I used to go to my grandparents' house every weekend. And, you know, from like Friday to Sunday, I would spend the weekend there. I loved going to my grandparents' house. Not just because they spoiled me, because I loved spending time at their house. I just, I, I loved being around them. Um, they they took care of me. Um, they They were... They were, you know, second parents to me. And so this particular show with my grandfather, like I said, it was it was I was pretty pumped. I remember my grandmother took me to the store to get a white poster board and markers so that I could write so I could put a sign up 
And, you know, at the time, I was too young to realize that this show wasn't on television. I was hoping that my sign would be on TV. So, I, um, I drew up a, I drew up a sign that said, get well soon, Hulk, or get well, Hulkster. And my grandmother helped me color it. And so I would draw like little cartoon figures of like, you know, the wrestlers. I drew like Hogan and Tugboat and Jake the Snake and Hacksaw, all the good guy wrestlers, you know, that said, get well, Hulk. And my grandmother was sitting at the kitchen table with me. I remember her saying, David, which color do you want me to use to draw this guy? Or which color do you want me to, you know, so I would like show her. And then she would use the wrong color and I'd get annoyed. And no, you're using the wrong color. You're supposed to use this. And oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Show me which one. And um, she, my grandmother never really got too involved with my wrestling fandom. She just kind of allowed it to progress, you know. Trips to the toy store, spoiling me, uh, you know, video rentals from Blockbuster, which I'll get into shortly. Um, so with this particular show, she helped me draw out the poster, and my grandfather took me, and the main event was Earthquake and Dino Bravo, managed by Jimmy Hart, who had perpetrated the attack on Hulk Hogan, of course, taking on the team of Hacksaw Jim Duggan and Tugboat in the main event. Um, the only other match I remember from this show was the Hart Foundation and Demolition in a tag team match. And I believe it was like a practice dry run for their SummerSlam match, looking back on it now. Uh, but um, this here was, um, it was, a, it was a great night. Um, I remember hoping that Hulk Hogan would return. Because Jimmy Hart at times would get involved in the match. And I would hope that like Hulk would run down to the ring. But that didn't seem to be the case. Um, and um, the end of the night rolls around. And Tugboat and Duggan, they win the match. They beat Earthquake and Dino Bravo. And I believe this was in like the summer of 1990. I want to say like May or June when this match took place. Uh, this show. It was, it, was a, it was a live event. It was non-televised, so... I remember my, my grandfather asking him, where are the cameras? And he's like, David, there's no cameras here. Um, but, you know, pull this, show the sign and maybe the, maybe one of the wrestlers will, 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 will see it. So the match ends and Duggan and Tugboat, um, they're, they're, uh, you know, they're, they're kind of posing for the crowd. And I want to say, and I could be wrong, but I want to say they played Hulk Hogan's music, his real American theme. And they kind of did a tribute pose to him, which got the people really fired up. And I remember pulling the sign up, you know, that said, Get Well Hulk. And it had all the cartoon drawings of all the, like, the good guy wrestlers. And all of a sudden, you see Duggan and Tugboat point to the sign. And Duggan gives me, like, the whole thumbs up. And at that point, I was just crawling out of my skin excited because I got to, um, they, they, they acknowledged my sign. Which was great. Um, so, my grandfather, I remember looking over and just how excited he was that I was excited to see it. And, you know, my grandfather was a very special man. And he he loved his grandkids dearly. He didn't have children of his own, biological children. Um, he was my, my dad and my uncle's stepfather. But 
he treated his kids like his own and he treated his grandkids like his own children. And in a way, he used to tell me that I was like a son to him because he watched me grow up from the beginning whereas opposed to when he met my grandmother and she had already had two boys. She was a single mom. Her husband had died years prior. You know, my dad and my uncle were teenagers when when my grandfather came into my grandmother's life. So he didn't get to see that from the beginning, but he was always so proud that he he was one of the first people to see me when I was born. And so remembering how happy he was that I was happy just kind of, you know, tugs on the old heartstrings, if you will. Like I said, I might be incoherent. I might get emotional. So allow me to apologize ahead of time as I try to get through this. And I appreciate everyone's patience listening to this. Um, and my, my sole purpose, like I said, to pay tribute, but also in hopes that like you guys find some sort of connection to my story and the stories that I tell uh, regarding my, my, my life with my grandparents and how wrestling played a big part in it. Um, that's my main goal here. And if, and if one of you out there can relate to that, then, you know, at the end of the day, that's all I care about. I don't care how many people listen to this. I don't care how many downloads it gets. This isn't for that kind of purpose. Uh, this is to share and to pay tribute and, uh, what have you. So, um, that was a really fun night overall. It was a great night and I, um, I, I really enjoyed it. Another show my grandfather took me to was in March of 91. It was like a Saturday afternoon show. I remember a Sunday afternoon show. It was uh, in March of 91. Hogan and Earthquake headlined in the Hartford Civic Center uh, stretcher match. And um, I remember Hogan nailing Earthquake with the chair and he you know, instantly had marks on his back and instantly bled. And um, it was very reminiscent of the, the, the SummerSlam encounter they had uh, in 1990, you know, just almost a year prior. Uh, that was another um, another match that, uh, that, that, another show that my grandfather took me to. And it just, you know, it just dawned on me, I believe it was in the summer of 91, I want to say later that year, I saw Hogan and Slaughter at the Hartford Civic Center with my grandfather when they slaughtered through the fireball. And I believe that's when I saw Bret Hart wrestle the Barbarian uh, in singles action. This was after WrestleMania 7. Hogan was already the champion by that point. Um, nonetheless, I, the, all these all these trips with my grandfather going to these shows still resonate with me to this day. Um, he um, he would always make sure that, you know, I had good seats where, I, you know, where we sat and yeah, he would say, he goes, oh, I talked to the ticket guy and I told him to get the same seats we had the last time so that, you know, you could see. And um, yeah, it meant a lot to him that I enjoyed my time and, you know, I can't thank him enough for allowing me those opportunities to, to go see that and do that stuff, you know. Um, not many kids my age... Um, have those opportunities. There are, you know, a lot of kids have grandparents and grandparents spoil them. And there are some that don't have grandparents that don't have that opportunity. And I was fortunate enough to have grandparents that allowed me opportunities like that to do that sort of thing. And that meant a lot to me. And it meant a lot to me that he took it seriously, you know, and, and had fun. And that was like our little thing, you know? Um, 
Now, my time spent at my grandparents' house on the weekend, like I said, consisted a lot of like trips to the toy store, wrestling toys, whether it be Toys R Us or Caldors. Um, my grandfather always used to tell me, and same thing with my grandmother, they both used to say, we couldn't drive by a Toys R Us or a Caldor without you getting all worked up. Um, otherwise, we had to go and we had to get you something. Um, which was surprising to hear because I never felt like I was a spoiled child. Like I need, like I felt, I never felt entitled. I wasn't raised that way by my parents. That for that's for sure. But I guess subconsciously I could say I was entitled because I always felt like if we went to Toys R Us, then I had to walk out of there with a wrestler or a toy of some kind. Um, but I do remember little trips to like Toys R Us, uh, you know, rubber LJNs, uh, or I remember, um, I remember my grandmother bought me, I don't remember what the occasion was, but she took me to KB Toys, and that was when WCW uh, released the, the Galoob line from 1990, uh, which I have the American set in my in my, my case here in my studio, and she bought me all of the wrestlers, there was like two packs with like the Steiners and um, Sting and Lex Luger. Then there were singles. And so I managed, and this was like a dream come true. Cause usually when I'd walk out of the toy store, it was one, maybe two guys at the, at, 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 at max, but this might've been like a birthday or something. I could be wrong. She might've just like went to the toy store and like got me wherever. But, um, I remember walking out of there with all the WCW Galoob guys and the ring. And the ring had like the red cage. Which to this day I'm still looking for it on eBay. And it's kind of hard to find. Um, at a decent price. Uh, some not even available at all. Um, so. If any of you out there that got a line on the Galoob rings. By all means. With the cage. You know stickers fully intact. Or in decent shape. At least for display purposes. Give me give me a shout. Um, drop a DM if you will. On our Facebook or our Twitter. Uh, but I remember leaving the store with all that stuff, and I couldn't believe it. And, you know, I was very thankful for it. Um, I was always the kind of kid that was raised to say thank you when someone does something good for you or gives you something, have manners. You know, my parents taught me that. Um, and it was no different with my grandparents. You know, grandparents are supposed to spoil their grandkids. And I felt extra spoiled that day because. Usually, if I like I said, if I walked out of Toys R Us with one or two wrestling dolls, um, that was a bonus. But I walked out with the entire Galoob set and the ring with the cage. So either that stuff was on sale or my grandmother was just being extra loving and extra nice and spoiled me a little bit extra. But I remember getting my set, that entire set from her. And uh, for a while, I believe that was... Um, that was uh, that. That would primarily stay at my grandparents' house because I had younger brothers. I still, I mean, had I have younger brothers, but I was young at the time, 1990. I was probably seven years old. Yeah, I was seven years old in 1990. And um, so I had you know uh, my brother Daryl. He was two. I'm five years older than him. And then uh, the twins, Justin and Zach were just one years old so they're about a year old so um you know there was a lot of a lot of toys in, in the Rosenbluth household so I think my grandmother opted for me to keep them at her house for a little bit I don't think that lasted very long I think eventually I brought it back to to my house with my parents but 
that was um, that was a lot of fun putting it together, putting the cage together. She helped me with the stickers, and you know, she never got too into my wrestling fandom. I remember she used to tease me a lot uh, when Miss Elizabeth would come on the TV because she could tell I had a crush on her. She would see me blush. Um, she'd be like, and she she she. The only time she really got you know she watched wrestling is if Miss Elizabeth was on. And she used to always say, that macho man treats her like dirt. And that macho man's a jerk to her. Why is she still with the macho man? She should be with Hulk Hogan. And um, that was like the closest thing I had to any kind of real bond with her over what we were watching on television when it came to wrestling. But she would say, oh, David, there she is. There's your girlfriend, Miss Elizabeth. And my grandmother got a heavy, thick New York accent. Grew up in uh, grew up in Queens. Um so it used to, I'd be like, stop it, stop it, Nana, stop it. And she, um, she teased me a little bit every time Miss Elizabeth came on the screen. Now at, at first, for a period of time, my great grand Nana, my Nana's mom used to live with, uh, with, with my Nana and grandpa in that house in West Hartford on five rustic lane. And my grand Nana didn't know any better that you know wrestling was predetermined and scripted so when when uh when um whatchamacallit uh when it would be on tv and i'd be watching it in the tv den and she would see like the guys hurting each other or somebody bleeding she'd be like oh jesus oh dear oh what are they doing oh no he's hurting him oh like and she sounded really concerned, and I never used to say anything, um, but my grandfather would say, Ma, which is which was his mother-in-law, Ma, they're, they're actors. She would be like, oh, no, they look like they're really hurting. Ma, they're actors. It's an act. <laughs> so, And for a while, as a youngster, I didn't know what he meant by that. That was my first indication that Wrestling wasn't real in the sense that these guys were really fighting each other. Um, I wouldn't find out till later through kids at school. And then eventually I think my father, you know, uh, let the cat out of the bag that wrestling was predetermined. It was scripted. But I didn't know what actors meant at that time. And I was six, seven years old maybe. So, um, But yeah, my, my, my grandfather used to always tell his mother-in-law, my great-grandmother, my grandnana, Ma, they're actors. Um, even my Nana would say the same thing. Ma, they're just, they're just playing with each other. Ma, they're actors. Ephraim, Ephraim said they're actors, Ma. That was my grandfather's name. Um, a big part of my, my, my weekends also spent in my grandparents' house was, um, the trips to Blockbuster Video for the VHS tapes. And, um... It was a weekend thing, you know. I'd maybe get one or two wrestling tapes, enough to last me the weekend to keep me preoccupied. I mean, my grandparents did other things with me too other than just let me play wrestling, but a big part of it had a lot to do with wrestling. You know, I'd be outside or they would take me to go apple picking or they would take me to go run errands with them or it was, you know, there wasn't just me sitting in the house watching wrestling. But... um a lot of those trips to Blockbuster were predominantly uh, 
wrestling related where you know the newest tape would come out and be like you know I'd, I'd, I'd watch i would watch wrestling on the weekends they would have you know wrestling challenge or superstars or world championship wrestling on tbs the nwa a lot of wcw saturday night uh it's when i first got into it uh first got into wcw saturday night was watching it at my grandparents house um and then it would continue if i was home on the weekends uh with with my um and with my parents but for the most part i was always at my grandparents on the weekends uh, which led me, which leads me to leads me to wonder if uh, there was something going on in my home uh, that led to me always being over there. But at the same time, my my parents have always said that I really enjoyed being over there, which I did. It was my highlight of my week. Get out of school, drive me to Nana and Grandpa's. You know what new wrestling toy was I getting? What new video was I going to watch? You know. So I remember watching a lot of WCW, uh, some of the old tapes, Starcade '86. Um, WWF stuff that I hadn't seen, like SummerSlam 92, if I didn't watch it. I remember watching WrestleMania 6 on VHS after I'd already found out the results of Ultimate Warrior beating Hulk Hogan in the magazine. I remember renting the tape and being very disappointed. As a matter of fact, I remember watching it at my grandparents' house, um, and I believe it was like a double tape, I want to say. I think it came in, I think it came as two tapes. So I watched the show, and I remember I watched it on like a Sunday afternoon, and that's when my mother came to pick me up to bring me back home. And I was normally I normally if I was disappointed leaving my grandparents' house is because I didn't want to leave. I had so much fun with my nana and grandpa, but I do remember in particular this time I was disappointed because um, I, I watched the Ultimate Warrior defeat Hulk Hogan, who was my hero. And so I remember like the sun was setting in the afternoon and it was time for my mother to, you know, it was time to go. So my mother was just kind of in the kitchen chatting with my grandmother as I was watching this and um, the tape was done. And I remember, you know, part of the thing was make sure you rewind it. You know, Nana used to always say, you have to rewind the tapes. You know, it's your job to rewind the tapes. So she would. She would uh, make sure that it was my job to rewind the tapes because, you know, they had that little sticker on Blockbuster said, please be kind and rewind because if you didn't rewind the tapes, they charge you a fee, which I thought was stupid. God forbid the, the guys at Blockbuster couldn't rewind a couple of tapes. Um, but uh, so I used to rewind the tape and I rewind the tape. Did you rewind the tape? I'm like, yes, Nana, I did. And so um, I remember leaving dejected because I just watched the Ultimate Warrior defeat Hulk Hogan, not because my grandma, not because I was not spending time with my grandparents but um you know for a while um you know the 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 wrestling fandom i guess according to my parents and my grandparents was getting a little out of control um and that's when my grandmother kind of you know she she put a halt on that and i think that was at the extra in the the instruction of my parents uh, where she said, you know, your mom and dad don't want you watching a whole lot of wrestling for a while. And I don't know if I didn't do, I don't remember if it was because I was doing poorly in school or if I was misbehaving. I don't remember. I just think that my parents just kind of wanted to pull the reins on me a little bit because I'm the kind of person that like, uh, when I get into something, I go 100% full bore. And if I really like something, it like consumes me. As you can tell, 35 years of wrestling fandom, I've watched just about all kinds of wrestling, no matter how good or bad it was. And still to this day, I'm still a fan. I do a podcast on it for Christ's sakes. So, um, for a brief period of time, if there was any kind of video rentals, uh, my grandmother would you know, pick out the movies. So, my grandmother 
got me into the Rocky franchise. I had never seen the Rocky movies before, and each weekend she would pick up one Rocky movie, and we would watch that movie. And so we watched the first one, and then the second, the third, the fourth, and then the fifth. And that's where I became a fan of the Rocky movies. And I remember the third one, of course, uh, with Mr. T as Clubber Lang and Hulk Hogan portraying Thunderlips. Thunderlips! <laughs> you know? Uh, in the flesh, baby! Or whatever he said. And I remember watching it, and she was sitting on the couch, and I think I was sitting next to her, and I was like, wait a minute. That's Hulk Hogan. And she just kind of like nodded and, you know, had a grin and, you know, was like, yes. And um, acknowledging that, you know, that wrestling mindset was still there. But um, that was when I got into the Rocky franchise for a brief period of time where she kind of put a halt on all the, um, all the, uh, the, 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 the wrestling. Even, even as much as like the toys too. I think like the toys were, you know, a, a, put off for a little while too, purchasing a lot of the toys and stuff. Um, but you know, it, it, it didn't last very long. Um, another memorable childhood moment spent at my grandparents' house was, um, in my grandparents' basement. My grandfather was a tool maker. He sold tools for Hitachi. And so he had like a workbench and a workstation and, you know, he would, he he would show me a few things. I would you know make like little like like you know like a I don't even know. I would like he would show me how to like use the saw to cut the wood because he had like a vice at the end of his workbench. Um, he helped me make a two by four like hacksaw Jim Duggan once, but it was like a small piece of wood, like a kid size hacksaw Jim Duggan two by four. So uh, you know I used to have that you know in the basement uh, as long as I didn't like hurt anybody or anything. I could have it, but. Um, the basement, he used to take um, refrigerator boxes, like Whirlpool refrigerator boxes. He would go to uh, an appliance store in West Hartford, and he would pull up to the back where, like, the cardboard dumpsters were, and he would ask the guys back there, like, you got any boxes you're looking to get rid of? And, you know, they would say, yeah, here, you know, take these, whatever. So he'd pull out the best ones he got, and he made a house for me downstairs in the basement. It was almost like a... It was like the, you know, it was like a, a, he couldn't do a tree house. So he made me a house out of, you know, a refrigerator box. He cut open holes, you know, square holes to make a window. He even took a piece of wood and some, you know, made little curtains with like, you know, old pillowcases or sheets that they had. Um, he made a door and he allowed me to decorate it. So I would take pictures out of wrestling magazines, whether it was the WWF magazines or pro wrestling illustrated magazines. And I would, um, I would cut them out. And then he used to have this like Elmer's rubber glue that came in like a, like a, like a, um, like a, like a dark orange Brown glass kind of vial with like a, it was like this glue stick with like this rubber end that you caught the glue. It, I don't even think they make them anymore because it's so toxic. But I remember I used to just like the rubber part of the glue. And I would take the glue and I'd put it on the cardboard. And then I'd like put the picture up there. So I remember having pictures like Hogan, Magnum TA, the Four Horsemen, Dusty Rhodes, Nikita Koloff. 
um, demolition, you know, all the wrestlers. I just put up like all these pictures up. And sometimes he would help me putting these pictures up, uh, gluing them and things like that. And then at one point, I remember um, he. Um, I don't know if the if the cardboard was falling apart or if he decided he wanted to um, redo it. But we ended up redoing the house with more cardboard, different cardboard. It was a little bit bigger. And I, I got to paint some of it. I, you know, he, he gave me a little paint and he showed me how to paint. And then I got to put the pictures up and he constructed like the windows and the doors. And I remember he made like a little bed inside the house, inside this refrigerator box of a house that had like card, like a, like a, like a styrofoam. Um, that looked like a little mini bed with like a pillow there. I was never allowed to sleep down there. I always wanted to, you know, like kind of like what, you know, young kids do, like when they go camping, like you're in their treehouse fort or whatever. But my grandparents never let me sleep down there. Uh, probably for good reason too. But that was a, that was a, a, a cool memory. I was devastated when they moved to Florida and my grandfather had to, you know, pack away that house for me because my at my parents house where I lived we lived in a two-bedroom condo at the time there was no room to put that thing anywhere um you know it was me and my three brothers in one bedroom and my parents were in the other we all shared a bedroom us four Rosenbluth boys so there was no room you know, even though my brothers wanted it you know my brothers are like yeah let's you know because eventually as my brothers got older they would make the trips over there and they would kind of have the same experience as me you know they they Whatever I watched, they watched. So they grew up on a lot of wrestling. And my grandmother, you know, did the same things with them. Rentals at the video store. Um, the wrestling toys, you know. The, even the house. Like the little house that was mine at one point eventually became theirs too. So they got to play in that for a little bit. Um, and so I remember when I, when they moved to Florida, I was devastated because I wanted, to, I wanted that cardboard house to come to our house. To my parents' house. But they didn't have any room. And... Like I said, my brothers were into it. They wanted it. It was going to be like our little Rosenbluth fort, if you will. But unfortunately, that that, that didn't come to be. That that's that's one of my fondest memories of my grandfather and how much he gave to us and my grandmother too. They both gave so much to us that um, as the years gone by and I had gotten older, and as you become older, you know, you grow up, you you, you go through life, and you, you know, certain things happen in your life. And, you know, at one point I always thought to myself, you know, what can I do to give back? And I'll talk about that later, but um, I'm digressing here. Um, another memory that I have that involves wrestling at my grandparents' house was I remember one year um, my mother and my, my parents took us to Hampton Beach, New Hampshire. We go every summer, rent a cottage. And I remember they stopped at some store along the way. I want to say it was like a job lot, like an Ocean State job lot type of store, like a big lots. And they had a toy section. And uh, I remember I remember walking out of there with um, 
with Ravishing Rick Rude and Jake the Snake Roberts, the Hasbros. Those were my two first Hasbros, okay? And um, I remember so badly wanting the ring and wanting some of the other guys, you know, Hogan and you know, Macho and DiBiase and Andre and, you know, Ultimate Warrior and, you know, names like that. Uh, you know, now I have them all in my case here. Uh, which I did a review on the the Hasbro Maniac book, um, which is in the archives. Two parts. You can find it. Uh, we're going to talk about my stories and my Hasbros. But um, in this particular instance, um, that summer, I had like Jake and Rick Rude, I remember. And then like a few months went by, and I think my mother got me Hogan and DiBiase. So I had like those four for a while. And then... Um, I remember for Christmas that year, I asked Santa Claus that I, for the Hasbro ring, you know, can I get the blue WWF ring with the flagpole and, you know, the little table and the bell, which I have here. I have, um, an original Hasbro ring, uh, newly produced stickers, of course, and new ropes, but, um, original turnbuckles, original posts, the original base itself and the original flag. So, um, I remember asking for Santa Claus for it and waking up and opening my gifts. And I got more Hasbros. I got Macho Man. I got Ultimate Warrior. Then I got Demolition. Um, but I didn't get a ring. And I just remember um, asking my parents. I said, did you ask Santa for the ring? And they said, uh, "They said, yeah, we did. But um, maybe Santa dropped it off at Nana and Grandpa's. We're going to go to Nana and Grandpa's later. And so... We go to we go to Nana and Grandpa's, and they had you know loads of gifts for us. And I remember seeing this box, and I wasn't sure if it was the ring. I wasn't sure if it was for me. I didn't want to. I didn't want to be a pest and bother and look at the gifts. But inside, I'm just like crawling out of my skin. Like I need to open this. I need to figure out if this is it. And you know, it was one of those deals where like. Uh, we opened up a few presents before dinner and then after dinner we got to open up the rest. So um, I, I first thing I do is I go for that box and it was like this anticipation that had built and built and built. And I grab the box and I see it's got my name on and it says it's from Nana and Grandpa. And I open the box and I was floored. It was the Hasbro ring. And I was so happy that they got me this ring, you know, my grandfather was smiling, so, so was my grandmother, and they, um, I, I wanted to put it together right away, but the problem was, I didn't have any of the figures with me, and they didn't get me the figures, um, they just got me the ring, which was like my big present, you know, normally every year, my parents were like, what's the one thing you want for Christmas, or what's the one thing you want Santa to bring you for Christmas, and so that was that particular year where it's like, I want the, 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 the blue ring, the new ring that they have on TV. I even had to like show my parents the commercial when we were watching wrestling. I'm like, that's the one I want. That's the ring. Uh, so my uh, I just remember seeing the look on my grandparents' face and how happy they were. And looking back on it now, um, it makes me happy to see how happy they were that you know they were able to do something for their grandkids. Which like any grandparent um, would feel that way. You know, it's, it's, it's common, it's natural. Uh, but for me, it's just looking back and thinking about it and remembering the smiles on their faces for a moment like that. I mean, that another one that just kind of tugs at the heartstrings, given the 
current circumstances here. Um, I did a lot of, um, I did a lot of, uh, um, play wrestling by myself on the weekends that I would, um, be at my grandparents' house until the wrestling buddies came into effect until, you know, I'd gotten like an ultimate warrior wrestling buddy. Then I had something to beat up on. But a lot of times, you know, it was me, um, in my, in the, in the spare bedroom that my grandparents had for me with all my stuff, um, coming out of the locker room, no shirt on, or the little yellow Hulk Hogan shirt I had on, going down the hallway, through the kitchen, right into the the, the the entryway, and I'd pretend that the dining room table had fans of people, and I would wrestle imaginary you know, figures like Ted DiBiase or Rick Rude or Andre the Giant or whoever. And you know, my grandparents just kind of let me have that world, you know? Like some, some parents or grandparents, at least... The, the narrative I've always been familiar with is that, you know, parents, if, if you had an imaginary friend or if you played by yourself, there was something weird about you. And I was just pretending I was wrestling, you know, you know, an imaginary bad guy, you know, earthquake or ultimate warrior, whoever, you know, as Hulk Hogan. Sometimes I'd be hacksaw Jim Duggan because my grandfather got me the little two by four that he made and we cut it together and sanded it down. And, um, but, uh, you know, my grandmother would just sit there and, um, and, uh, you know, do her crossword puzzle, crochet a little bit, you know, make me a sweater or a blanket. Um, but then if things got out of hand, she'd be like, all right, that's enough. That's enough. There's no more playing right now. You know, we're going to have dinner soon or, you know, we're going to go here or wherever, you know. And I didn't really put up a put up a fuss or an issue with it. Um, but, uh, you know, then there'd be times, too, where my grandfather, when he was healthy enough, um, because he had, he had some health complications early on in my life. He had some cancer in his leg that he had to get uh, taken care of, so his knees weren't the best. Um, but uh, he he'd tough it out and, you know, let me beat on him a little bit and he'd pretend to beat on me. And, um, you know, he, he used to, you know, the, you know, the spot where the guys do the test of strength, where the, the, the baby face and the heel, they lock up and then the, the heel gets the advantage of the baby face, but the baby face makes the comeback and he overpowered my grandfather. And I used to do that a lot. And my grandfather was a strong man. My grandfather in his, in his sixties looked like he was 40. Like he was in great, sh- he kept himself in tremendous shape, and he had strength like you wouldn't believe. Um, I mean, even into his seventies, um, bef- you know, when he- before he started getting sick, he was doing push-ups and sit-ups, and his his grip strength, his hands were just unbelievable. Like you- if you shook my grandfather's hand, you would have borderline thought you you know broken a couple of fingers. Like he was just a strong man. Um, so he would play with me from time to time and I'd mess his hair up and, um, pretend, you know, that I was Hulk Hogan and, and I was, you know, beating on him and, you know, he, he, he laughed a lot cause he thought that stuff was funny. He never really took it too seriously, but he played along with me and, um, just some moments that I'll never forget. Um, and then as time went on, um, there was a there was a boy that lived around the corner from my parents my grandparents' house that I met one day. I had a bike 
And I remember my grandparents let me ride my bike like around the neighborhood. Um, as long as I like circled back to the house to kind of like check in, if you will. So there was where, where they lived, they were on the corner of, of two streets. And then I went to go turn the corner to go up the hill to the next street. And as long as I stayed close to the sidewalk or on the side, actually, no, this street didn't have a sidewalk. Uh, my grandfather would stand at the bottom of the hill and he'd watch me and then I'd come back down. And I remember, um, riding my bike and, and there was this kid that was on his bike and, um, and I, I don't remember specifics and details, but I vaguely remember just like literally like, hey, I'm I'm David. And he says, hi, I'm Dean. And it was just like an instant friendship from there. Um, and so I had another kid in the neighborhood to, to hang out with, to play with. And, you know, Dean and I are still friends to this day. We don't see each other as much anymore because, you know, life happens to, you know, be that way we should probably um be in contact a little more i just recently spoke to him to inform him of my grandmother's health and so um you know hope hope hopefully we're we're looking to uh to uh to get together um under better circumstances of course because it's been too long um dean was part of my wedding but dean's been dean was my first best friend um when I was like seven or eight years old. Yeah, about seven or eight years old, I think. So I've known Dean for over 30 years. Um, and I don't remember how it came to be that I found out Dean liked wrestling. I want to say I maybe went to his house and he had like tapes and the toys and things like that. And then it just grew from there. And then it became, you know... Um, every weekend I went, my focus, you know, not only was spending time with my grandparents, but was to see Dean. Because Dean had the toys that I didn't have. Dean had the videos that I didn't have. So we would go to Dean's house, or Dean would bring his tape and his toys to my grandparents' house. And uh, we would play, and we would wrestle each other in the backyard. And um, Dean was bigger than me at the time, so I remember... Um, you know, I would still be, even though Dean was a Hulk Hogan fan, I would still be Hulk Hogan and he would be, I don't remember who he'd be, but maybe Ultimate Warrior, because I think he liked Ultimate Warrior too. Uh, but we used to horse around and, and, and um, you know, in my grandparents' backyard or we'd go, you know, his backyard. I remember the, um, I remember the first time Dean and I watched a pay-per-view together was SummerSlam 1991. Uh, which I'm kind of hoping one of these days I get Dean to 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 come back and um, uh, we we do a watch along of that event um, going back because that was the first wrestling pay per view that uh, my grandfather ordered at at the house so we were all excited Hogan and Warrior teaming up to take on Slaughter and Adnan and Mustafa with Sid as the referee you had the Jailhouse match LOD and the Nasty Boys million dollar title you had um, uh, Macho Man's wedding with Miss Elizabeth. I mean, it was a happening on Five Rustic Lane. We were excited. We we, we were we were pumped to see um, this pay per view, and it's still one of my favorite shows of all time because I I think it was just a fun show to watch. 
Um, even at 38 years old, I think it's still pretty fun to watch. So maybe Dean and I will do that sometime later this summer. But um, yeah, that all took place at my grandparents' house. And I remember um, my grandfather sat in the living room with us and we watched this show. And we watched, um, you know, he, he, he got into it. You know, he liked them. My grandfather liked the Bushwhackers. He thought the Bushwhackers were funny, especially when they used to lick the guys. And, you know, years later, he would say, he goes, those two, those two fellas with no teeth, they're they still around. They're still licking the, the, the people. And he goes, who are they, the, 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 bush, the, 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 the Bushwhackers? I said, yeah, they're still around, you know, at the time. Um, He's like, what about the ho ho guy? <laughs> and I used to, I mean, Hacksaw Jim Duggan, he yeah, with the board. And I used to say, yeah, he's still around. He's still around. He hasn't, he, he's too old. And yeah, so, um, but yeah, he sat and watched with us. And, uh, I, I vaguely remember my grandmother popping in the, the, the den just to, you know, check in, see how we were doing. And I, I remember at one point she said, is the wedding on yet? And I said, no, it's not yet. I think it's at the end. And, um, I think she came into the living room to watch the wedding at the end. Um, and she still, you know, without fail, teased me like, oh, there she is, your girlfriend, Miss Elizabeth. She's getting married to the macho man. And, you know, of course, in front of my friend, she had to make me blush. So I probably wasn't the nicest with my response back to her. But, um, yeah, uh, that was the first time Dean and I ever watched a, a, a pay-per-view together. And we watched it at my grandparents' house and... Um, like I said, just more examples of my passion for wrestling and how much wrestling embodied my life with my grandparents growing up at the time. Um, and then the last time we had ever watched a wrestling pay-per-view at my grandparents' house, my grandparents weren't actually there. Uh, it was WrestleMania 8 in April of, two, of 1992, excuse me. Uh, my, my grandparents were in florida and i remember my dad telling me that my grandfather was in florida for work and my nana went with her well it was for them to look at houses because they were moving they were looking to retire and um i wasn't so sure of um you know what was going on but all i cared about was wrestlemania 8 and dean and i and my dad and I think my brother Daryl might have been there too. We watched WrestleMania 8 and it was billed as Hogan's last match. So that was a big reason why we had to watch it because, you know, it was going to be Hogan's last match. Uh, they had advertised that what could be his final wrestling match against Sid Justice. So um, Hogan, you know, the, the, the big match with him and Sid, the anticipation of seeing him possibly for the final time. I didn't know, you know, I, at that, I remember now looking back, I remember thinking at that time that this, like, wrestling was going to end if Hulk Hogan never wrestled again. Like, I just had this feeling that, like, wrestling wasn't going to be the same and it was going to end because Hulk Hogan was done. Um, and then we got the return of the Ultimate Warrior. And me and Dean were pretty psyched about that. And Hogan didn't lose. And so I remember my father saying, "Like, oh, he'll come back. He, he'll he'll come back. They 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 left the door open for him to come back." But uh, not long after that, that was when my grandparents had decided they were going to retire and move to Florida. And my grandmother left her job as a nurse, and my grandfather retired from the tool company, and they packed up everything and they moved to Florida. And that was probably one of the most devastating things I ever had to go through, because. 
I had spent the majority of my my adolescence every weekend at their house and you know that was like my my home away from home and then I had met my friend Dean you know and Dean and I had become best friends we'd talk on the phone and you know plan you know weekends and when he would come to my house in, in East Hartford and I would you know see my grandparents in West Hartford and um, then you know my parents I remember met up with his parents and um, talked about, uh, you know, uh, making sure that the friendship stayed intact now that Nana and Grandpa had moved. And so, you know, my life was a little different with them being gone and living in Florida, but um, it made for some, some great memories going down there, um, which that portion of my life with them didn't so much revolve around wrestling. Um, I mean... There were still trips to the video store, still buying, you know, some wrestling toys here and there. Um, but, you know, it, it was it was revolved around other things, trips to the beach and go-karts and mini golf and, you know, other things like that. Um, so, um, the Florida portion of their stay had... Um, hadn't so much revolved around wrestling but when they were local when they lived by in connecticut that's all it revolved around was you know weekends with you know trips to blockbuster and trips to the toy store and things like that Uh, the last time i was with them that there was involvement of wrestling of some kind my brothers and i went to wrestlemania in orlando in 2008 at the time i was dating a girl and she came with us and um, I've talked about that before. It just didn't work out. But, you know, obviously for the better because I have a lovely, beautiful, supporting wife um, that's uh, going through this with me currently. And so we went to visit my nana and grandpa and they 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 knew we were in town for wrestling and the wrestling was in Orlando. They lived in West Palm Beach. So it was like a three hour drive. So we stayed like two or three nights there. And then we went to our hotel for about a week or so, uh, for a few days, um, for WrestleMania. But, um, I remember even, even as, uh, as, as, you know, in 2008, there were still some recognizable names that my grandfather had, you know, he, so he would say, so who's going to be at this wrestling match? And, you know, I said, The Undertaker. And he'd go, he's still around? And, you know, and then I, and I mentioned it's going to be Ric Flair's retirement match against Shawn Michaels. He goes, I remember Shawn Michaels. He was with the, the other guy. And he goes, Ric Flair? He goes, he hasn't died yet. He's so old. <laughs> um, so then I remember he sat in the living room and we watched an episode of Monday Night Raw. And it was the go-home Raw before WrestleMania. And it was the old Yeller promo, which is one of my favorite Ric Flair interviews is when he confronts Shawn Michaels and, you know, about their match at WrestleMania. And he brings out the old NWA world title belt and talks about his history with that championship and how it all could come to an end on Sunday after, you know, he gets inducted into the Hall of Fame. And Michaels kind of does the, you know, you know, you leave me no choice, but I'm going to have to put old Yeller out behind the barn um, at WrestleMania this Sunday. And Flair loses it and slaps him in the face and says, I got your old Yeller right here, pal. And rips his shirt off and he goes nuts. Just the intensity. And I remember my grandfather had watched it with me. And he says, oh, he goes, he really pissed him off. And um, 
you know, and then just a few days later, we ended up leaving and we went to Orlando. And uh, that was the last time that, um, that was not the last time I was with them. Uh, that was in 2008. I said my grandfather died in 2011. We saw him a couple, we saw each other a couple times uh, in between that. And then, uh, you know, unfortunately he passed in 2011. Ironically enough, after we went to visit him, um, I went to the Royal Rumble in Boston. And for some reason I had some feeling that something was going to happen. And I woke up the next morning, and that's when my mother told me that he passed. And he finally passed, and he, he just kind of waited for all of us grandkids to, to come visit and be there. Um, which kind of leads me to the end here. Um, I apologize again for... Uh, Possibly not being able to get through this, but um, like I had said multiple times that I wanted to share my love for wrestling and my love for my grandparents that just happened to be intertwined with each other when I grew up. So um, the last time I was, I had been around my grandmother, she came to visit for my brother's wedding two years ago, Justin's wedding. And she stayed with us, uh, my wife and I, in our home. And my wife and I, but more importantly, me, wanted to be able to do something for her by having her stay with us for a month. Because of everything that she did for me growing up. The way she spoiled us, the way she loved us, the way she cared about us. At the drop of a hat, my grandmother did anything she could for all of us. And in the last 10 years of her life, since my grandfather had passed, she had to dramatically change her life. She had to leave Florida. She couldn't afford to live there anymore. She moved in with my uncle and his wife and kids in Atlanta. And slowly but surely, her, her way of life changed. And there were good parts of it, spending time with... Her other grandchildren, you know, my cousins, Michael and Peter. But I think the change was, it was a, it was a long 10 year adjustment for her. And so I wanted my wife, it was my wife's idea. She said, why don't we have Nana stay with us when she comes for the wedding? She can stay for a month. She's, then she can go stay at your parents. Because my grandmother planned on being there for the summer. And, you know, full disclosure, we had some hiccups along the way. You know, I'm, I'm not a young kid anymore. I'm 38 years old. And, uh, you know, I think my, at the time, I think my grandmother thought that she was living with, you know, young David, you know, um, but I, you know, I'm a 38 year old man, 
married with a home. And, uh, you know, there were times when we butted heads. And I probably said some things I shouldn't have said. And a big part of our hiccups were probably her health. And, you know, helping her move around. She might kill me for even saying this, but she had lost a few steps. She was still sharp as a tack and witty. And I got my mouth from her, that's for sure. But uh, she wasn't the nan I grew up with. And I think I was starting to see that. I think I was starting to realize that. And I think that was becoming the strain between us. But at the end of the day, she's my Nana. I love her. I care deeply for her. She was my, she's my, she's my last surviving grandparent. And so I wanted I wanted her to feel like this home was her home too. And I wanted to, you know, I used to, as a kid, I used to think to myself, you know, will, will, will she be, will, will my grandparents be around when I get married? And maybe if I have children and if I buy a home and, you know, things like that. I used to always wonder, just like weird random stuff like that. And she got to see me get married. She got to see Two of my other brothers get married. She got to stay in my home. Because, you know, full disclosure, years prior, I had a I had a little bit of a drinking issue. And I was a fucking asshole. I was stupid. I got carried away. I almost died. And I don't know what it was, but I used to set the bar really low for myself. And I didn't think it was possible that I'd find somebody that would love me the way my wife loves me. And I didn't think it was possible that I would own a home and have a good job and be able to provide for my family. I essentially pigeon-held myself to be a fucking loser. So it was important for me that she saw that I was successful. That I was doing good. Even though she never once, never once did her or my grandfather, through all of my hiccups, through all of my problems, through all the times I got in trouble, did they ever express any kind of disappointment? Did they bestow any judgment upon me? They were always supportive of me in anything I did. I don't know what they felt behind the scenes or to other people, but to me, they never once expressed anger or disappointment in some of the, the, the poor life choices I made.
And so her time here, this last visit a couple years ago, was difficult. It was, in many ways, heartbreaking. Because growing up, I saw a strong, willed, stubborn woman that was my grandmother that took no shit from anybody. I saw her her health beginning to decline right in front of my eyes in my own home. So it was very important to me that she that she stayed with me when she did because I wanted to be able to give back to her. You know, I wanted to be able to to take care of her or try to take care of her as close as she used to take care of me. I sound like a blubbering idiot crying, but there's no other way I can pay tribute to two people, more importantly her right now, given her situation, her health situation, than this format right here. But I want to, I want to end this recording By saying, I can't thank the both of you enough for being the grandparents I needed in my life. Not for spoiling me, not for buying me things, not for paying for trips for me to visit you, but for the love that you had for us as your grandchildren. I can't thank you enough. Because full disclosure, I didn't get that from my mother's mom. Love her dearly. She's no longer with us. But I didn't get that type of love. You know, at the drop of a hat, Dorothy and Ephraim Stein would do anything for any of us Rosenbluth boys. And they, they, they set the bar pretty high for grandparents. And I also want her to know that despite the last visit and all the hiccups we had in that visit and the arguments we had about her health and the way she was conducting herself, that doesn't change how I ever felt about you or continued to have felt about you. For a little while after you left, I might have had... felt differently but it didn't change <coughs> excuse me how much i love you and how much i appreciate you and how much you mean to me and i can't thank you enough 
for like I said, being the grandparents that you were. Loving me the way you did. Treating us like your own children. And I know that you don't have much fight in, left in you. I know that you 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 don't want any of us to go through the agonizing experience of watching you fight and your health get worse. I know you lived that with two husbands, both your parents and your sister. And I understand your decision to throw in the towel. But I just need you to know how much you'll truly be missed. Now, how much of an impact you and my grandfather, Ephraim, had on my life. Honest Rosenbluth boys' lives. And this is the best way that I can pay tribute to you and what you brought into my life and how not only you loved me unconditionally, took care of me, looked, sought after me, had the best intentions for me, but seeing as that this is a wrestling podcast, you helped continue to facilitate my passion and I'm not saying this because of the current circumstances, but I don't think that if I didn't spend as much time as I did in your home all those years growing up, that I wouldn't have continued my passion and my fandom for wrestling. I, the last time I remember you and I having a conversation about my passion for wrestling is when you came to visit and you came down here to the basement, you saw the microphone set up and you saw my, my glass cases with some of the toys. And I remember you said something to the effect of, I remember you used to have a few of those and wow, this is a really neat setup with the pictures. And you were, you were, you were, you weren't totally enamored by it, but you, you it brought a smile to your face. And I want to say that it reminded you of what my childhood was like growing up with all of that. And that's what I've essentially tried to embody with this podcast. When I record each of these episodes for all you guys, I, I, I sit here at this desk with you know a load of action figures and a little setup. And I got autographs behind me on a wall. And I this... This entire area, I want to embody what it was like being a fan during some of the most wonderful times in the history of wrestling. And I and I feel like, based off of that last interaction that I had with my grandmother, she saw that. And she thought it was neat. Not overly enamored, but I remember seeing a smile on her face and say, wow, that's neat. And you record these, and who listens to them? And... You know, I told her how it happens, and she wasn't really the biggest with technology, but um, yeah, that's the last 
kind of wrestling moment I, I shared with her. But um, in closing, um, I thank every one of you for listening, taking the time to listen, to hear my story, to talk about what it was like growing up a wrestling fan in my grandparents' home and how they helped facilitate that and how it revolved around you know, my relationship with them and how much they meant to me and how much and how much it means to me that I get to do this and pay tribute to 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 them um Nana I know by the time this drops I'll be I'll be leaving Atlanta and heading home and I'll have said what I need to say to you which is which will always be between us a day after your 88th birthday mind you is when this show drops but um I can't emphasize and stress enough how much you meant to me you mean to me and how much I love you and I care about you and And how you're going to be truly missed. But you did everything on your terms. You did everything your way. And there's not really much more I could say after that. Thank you all for checking us out this week. This show is dedicated to... My Nana, Dorothy Stein, and my grandfather, who's no longer with us, Ephraim Stein. Thank you. See you next week.